Tikvot's website states, we are a place where Jewish people and their family and friends can experience a Jewish service and community while believing that Yeshua, Jesus, is the Messiah of Israel. That's strange sounding to Jews who have been brought up to believe that you cannot believe in Jesus and still remain a Jew. And by the website not mentioning they want to come, and perhaps even some here who make up the majority of Tikvot's membership. It is understandable for Messianic Jewish congregations to emphasize that they are for Jewish people, but I have found that we sometimes cause unnecessary confusion among some of our Gentiles who may ask themselves, do I really belong here? And if I do, what is my role? It is for this reason that I have chosen my message today to be on the subject of Gentiles in Messianic Judaism. Now let me start off by saying that not all Gentiles are called to live and serve within a Jewish community such as this one. But if you are here to hear this message, this is undoubtedly where God wants you to be. Over the years, Gentiles have come to Tikvot Israel for various reasons. Perhaps the reason was that they discovered that the church should be more Jewish-rooted than it is. Perhaps it was discovering that keeping the Sabbaths is for Gentiles as well as for Jews, and they could not find a church home that would accommodate them. Or perhaps it was discovering that the land of Israel is important to God, and the church they were in did not see it that way. Or perhaps it was Tikvot's fine musical worship, or the presence of the Holy Spirit that they did not experience where they were. These are all perfectly legitimate reasons for anyone to attend and even become a member of Tikvot Israel. But they should nevertheless realize that these are personal reasons and are not what the Tikvat Yisrael community is primarily for. So what is the Tikvat Israel community primarily for? Anybody want to uh, give me one, one item that's very important for a Messianic Jewish community, a primary reason for a Messianic Jewish community? Uh, uh, just, who said that? And what did you say? Could somebody repeat that? Uh-huh. Um, do you think that um, ministering Yeshua to uh, Jews who do not yet believe in Yeshua is a primary responsibility of this community? Do you? All right. Do you believe that 
being a home for such Jewish people once they have come to believe that Yeshua is the Messiah is a legitimate purpose for this community. Anybody say no? Anybody dare say no? What about, what about the church? Didn't God give Israel a commission to the, to the nations of the world, to be a, a kingdom of priests to the nations of the world? And, the, and therefore, isn't one of the foundational purposes that should be added to Tikvat Israel's commission to reach out to the churches, the Christian churches, and help them to restore their understanding of Israel and return to the ancient biblical Jewish roots from which they came. Wouldn't that be a, a very primary, primary legitimate reason? Right. Now there are, on the other hand, those Gentiles who have come here and stayed at Tikvat, not for those personal reasons that I, I mentioned before, but because they know that their lifelong calling by God is to live and serve Messiah alongside their Jewish brethren who have those other primary purposes. Their calling as Gentiles is the same as that of the Jews to which they are joined, which is first and foremost to minister Yeshua to Jewish people who do not yet know him, and as I said before, to assist the larger body of believers in regaining its biblical Jewish roots that it lost in history. These Gentiles were given a special name by your former Rabbi David, he called them Krovei Yisrael, or close family members of Israel. If you are a Krovei Yisrael, you know it. And you know that your covenant obligations are the same as, and I join to, those of the Jewish people. If you are not a Krovei Yisrael, no worries. God will use you within Tikvat Israel and wherever you are, in whatever calling you have regardless, because there are many callings. Since I have said that there are Gentiles who are especially called to live and serve among the Jewish people, perhaps I should justify it with some biblical examples. The first example I would give would be the Gentiles who lived within Abraham's household and were circumcised along with Abraham's family. We read about that in Genesis 17, verses 9 to 14. God said to Abraham, As for you, you are to keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, generation after generation. Here is my covenant, which you are to keep between me and you, along with your descendants after you. Every male among you is to be circumcised. You are to be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin. This will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. 
Generation after generation, every male among you who is eight days old is to be circumcised, including slaves born within your household and those bought from a foreigner not descended from you. Those define Gentiles, do they not? The slave born in your house and the person bought with your money must be circumcised. Thus my covenant will be in your flesh as an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who will not let himself be circumcised in the flesh, that person will be cut off from his people because he has broken my covenant. And in verses 26 and 27 we read, Abraham and Ishmael, his son, were circumcised at that same day. And all the men of his household, both slaves born in the house and those bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. It seems to me that these Gentiles who lived in Abraham's household and were circumcised along with Abraham's family were the first Chorvei Yisrael. Of course, when Israel went into slavery in Egypt, they had no household servants, but Chorvei Israel surfaced again in the mixed multitude that left Egypt with the Israelites during the great Exodus. We read in Exodus 12, 33 to 38, the Egyptians pressed to send the people out of the land quickly because they said, otherwise we'll all be dead. The people took their dough before it had become leavened and wrapped their kneading bowls in their clothes on their shoulders. The people of Israel had done what Moshe had said. They had asked the Egyptians to give them silver and gold jewelry and clothing, and Adonai had made the Egyptians so favorably disposed toward the people that they let them have whatever they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. The people of Israel traveled from Ramses to Sukkot, some 600,000 men on foot, not counting children. A mixed crowd, the, the New King James Version says mixed multitude, also went up with them, as well as livestock in large numbers, both flocks and herds. So it wasn't only the Israelites that left Egypt. It was Israelites and Gentiles who followed them and became part, integral part of their community. And those Gentiles were of various kinds. They had come to know the God of Israel and knew that God was summoning them to make their lives among the Jewish people. Eventually, the Israelites, with their mixed multitude, arrived at Mount Sinai from where God spoke his covenant. And we read in Deuteronomy 29, 9 to 12, and referred to also in Hebrews uh, 10, 13, to 10 to 13. Today you are standing, all of you before Adonai, your God, your heads, your tribes, your leaders, and your officers. All the men of Israel, along with your little ones, your wives, your foreigners here with you in the camp, from the one who chops your wood to the one who draws your water. The purpose is that you should enter into the covenant of Adonai, your God, 
and into his oath, which Adonai, your God, is making with you today, so that you can establish, he can establish you today for himself as a people, and so that for you he will be God. And as he said to you, and as he swore to your ancestors, to Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Notice that it was not only Israelites who gathered at Mount Sinai to hear and receive God's covenant, but also the foreigners who were the Crovei Israel that had followed the Israelites out of Egypt. And notice also that God specifically recognized their presence and was speaking to them as well. And soon thereafter, similar to the circumcision required of the Gentiles who lived in Abraham's household, God commanded in Exodus 12, verses 43 to 49, this is the regulation for the Pesach lamb. No foreigner is to eat it. But if anyone has a slave he bought for money, when you have circumcised him, he may eat it. Neither a traveler nor a hired servant may eat it. It is to be eaten in one house. You are not to take any of the meat outside the house, and you are not to break any of its bones. The whole community of Israel is to keep it. If a foreigner staying with you wants to observe Adonai's Pesach, all his males must be circumcised. Then he may take part and observe it. He will be like a citizen of the land. But no uncircumcised person is to eat it. The same teaching is to apply equally to the citizen and to the foreigner living among you. And also in Numbers 15, verses 14 to 16, if a foreigner stays with you or whoever may be with you through all your generations, and he wants to bring an offering made by fire as a fragrant aroma for Adonai, he is uh, to do the same as you. For this community, there will be the same law for you and for the foreigner living with you. This is a permanent regulation through all your generations. The foreigners to be treated the same way before Adonai as yourselves. The same Torah and standard of judgment will apply to both you and the foreigner living with you. These are very significant passages of Scripture because they define this category of Gentiles who lived with Israelites that today we call Krovei Yisrael. and defines them as having drawn so close to the Jewish people as to be considered close family members and subject to the same Torah and standards of judgment as applied to Jews. Having said it as I have, I want to be quick to say that this is not the same as what has become to be known as the One Law Movement, to which Messianic Judaism does not, and I repeat, does not ascribe. The One Law Movement takes the same scriptures that I cited, and in fact the entire Torah, and makes them applicable to all Gentiles, whether or not they are Korve Israel. That is a serious heresy, and it's an affront to God's faithfulness because it denies his promise to the Jewish people recorded in Exodus 19, verses 3 to 6, in which we read, Moses went up to God, and Adonai called to him from the mountain. 
Here is what you are to say to the household of Yaakov to tell the people of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you will pay careful attention to what I say and keep my covenant, then you will be my own treasure from among all the peoples of all the earth, and all the earth is mine. And you will be a kingdom of Kohanim, priests, for me, a nation set apart. These are the words you are to speak to the people of Israel. And why are we so sure that God has not brought in this special promise made to Israel to all believers in Yeshua? The Apostle Paul answers the question concisely where in Romans 11, verses 28 to 29, he speaks to Gentile believers and he tells them, with respect to the good news, they, meaning the Jews, are hated for your sake. But with respect to being chosen, they are loved for the patriarch's sake, for God's free gifts and his calling are irrevocable. So you may ask, if Jews in Korvei Yisrael are held to the same law and have the same covenant obligations, is there any remaining difference between them? Again, we turn to Paul for an answer, at least in part, where in Romans 3, 1, he first asks rhetorically, then what advantage has the Jew? What is the value of being circumcised? And he then answers his own question in the following verse by saying, much in every way. In the first place, the Jews were entrusted with the very words of God. I said in part because there is more, and it has to do with the entire subject of grafting that we read about in the book of Romans, where Gentile believers in Yeshua receive their eternal and priestly connection to God, not directly, but through their connection to the olive tree that is Israel. In Romans eleven sixteen to 18, we read, Now, if the challah, the bread, offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole loaf. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches, meaning the Jewish branches, were broken off and you, a wild olive, meaning a Gentile, were grafted in among them and have become equal sharers of the root of the olive tree, then don't boast as if you were better than the branch. A Gentile, you, tells. It is a matter of who supports who. If God withdraws his covenant promise to the Jewish people that they are to be priests to the nations of the world, then Gentile believers have nothing to graft into and therefore no way to partake of their new covenant relationship with God. Why did God choose to bring the Gentiles into relationship with him in this way? I don't know, but he did. So any theology that denies the special calling of the Jewish people threatens everyone's calling. Several years ago, I developed a 10-point statement, and it was for Gentile members of Messianic Jewish congregations to help them explain their participation in Messianic Judaism. It is written as though spoken by a Gentile member of any congregation, but in this case of Tikvat. And I've asked that 
two Gentile members be appointed to read it to you. Have those uh, people been uh, appointed? Please come up. Now, what they're going to be reading uh, is a one-page one page statement, and um, I have 100 copies of it out there. My wife is holding on to them, and they'll be available for anybody that wants to pick up a copy, because it, it may help you to remind you as to how to answer the question, what are you doing in a Messianic Jewish congregation? Okay, so... Could you alternately pick one of you start and alternately read the 10 points, please? I am a Gentile and not a Jew because so far as I am aware, my physical lineage does not go back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I have been born again through my faith in Yeshua. This means I was given a new spirit an eternal life with God when I confessed my sins and asked Yeshua into my heart. That also means that I have been grafted into the olive tree of Israel, Romans 11, 17 through 19, and have thereby become a citizen of the commonwealth, Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 13. In addition to being born again of the Spirit, I have chosen or called by God to live out my faith in the same way and in the same congregational community as Jews who believe in Yeshua as I do. The Jews in my congregation call themselves Messianic to distinguish themselves from Jews who do not believe in Yeshua. So I also call myself Messianic, although I remain a Gentile. Both I and the Jews in my congregation practice a Judaism called Messianic Judaism. It is a faith, a form of Jewish practice, and a way of life that looks exclusively to the Bible, both the Old and New Testaments, for final authority on God's Word, and looks to the Holy Spirit for interpretation, application, and guidance. Both Messianic Jews and Messianic Gentiles, such as I am, consider ourselves members in both the Messianic Jewish community and the universal body of Yeshua. Both I and the Jews in my congregation consider that the Ten Commandments were given to the ancient Israelites under the Mosaic Covenant have application to the community today as well. For that reason, we seek to interpret and apply the scriptures literally when reasonable, but as the Holy Spirit directs. Because my congregation and I practice what we call Messianic Judaism, we call our congregation a Messianic Jewish congregation. This name reflects our belief in Yeshua as well as our Torah-oriented practice that is often but not always, expressed in similar ways as in non-Messianic Jewish communities. By Torah-oriented practice, we mean that we seek the Holy Spirit for understanding how to obey God's law in the New Covenant and in our individual and corporate circumstances. We obey Torah out of our love for God and the Messiah. We do not consider obedience the source of our relationship with God, 
And we do not seek our relationship through it. The Jewish practices of my congregation establish its primary culture and lifestyle. But we also incorporate practices that come to us from other traditions. These include contemporary praise and worship with instruments, dance, and the bread and wine of Yeshua, speaking and receiving prophetic words, and spontaneous vocalized prayer. Because we do not accept outside rabbinic authority over us, we are free to adopt certain cultural and rabbinic Jewish practices while not adopting others, as we find these practices consistent with the spirit of the word. My congregation's mission is several fold. First, we are a family of Jews and Gentiles who are committed to being an example of faith in Yeshua and in holy New Covenant Jewish living. Second, we are a community that is dedicated to upholding, strengthening, praying for, discipling, protecting, and providing for each other as each of us has needs and as the Holy Spirit directs. Third, we are a community that seeks to convey our faith and traditions to our children and their children. Fourth, we seek to provide a congregational home for Jewish believers in Yeshua and for believing Gentiles called to serve Yeshua within our Messianic Jewish community. Fifth, we seek to reach out with the word of God to all who do not yet know Yeshua, first to the Jew, but also to those of the nations. Sixth and finally, we seek to help the Christian church understand its connection to Israel and return to its biblical Jewish roots. Thank you very much. Please give them a hand for their reading.